This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. Normally, on our Tuesday AI use case episodes, that's what you're listening to right now, we cover how AI software is altering business processes and changing business workflows, whether that's in manufacturing, in banking, etc. But today, we're going to be talking about AI hardware and how it, too, is evolving. Our guest this week is Gregory Diamos. He holds a role in transformation engineering at Landing AI, Landing AI, famously founded by Andrew Ng, very, very well-funded out in the Bay Area. Gregory previously was the Silicon Valley AI research lead for Baidu Incorporated, one of the most cutting-edge AI firms in China, and previously held roles at NVIDIA and at Intel. He also holds a doctorate in philosophy and electrical engineering from Georgia Tech. Gregory speaks with us about the topic of AI chips. What is it that sets apart AI hardware from sort of other CPUs as we know them? Uh, And how are they going to be defining and moving forward in different industries? What kinds of business leaders should be aware of AI chips and how they might alter their field? Gregory is also going to be one of the presenters at the AI Hardware Summit. The sponsor for this episode is Kasako Research. If you go into Google and you type in AI Hardware Summit, it's going to be the very first link. Their event is completely virtual this year and is taking place from the 29th of September to the 7th of October. Entirely virtual. Again, you can just go into Google, type in AI Hardware Summit. Gregory, as well as a number of other excellent speakers, are going to be on the roster. We've been working with Kasako for, geez, I guess it's two and a half years now, and the event has grown, obviously. We've been working with Kasako Research for, geez, two and a half years now on their various events and conferences, and we're happy to be able to have them as a sponsor in this episode as well, and to bring on Gregory from Landing AI to join us in this episode. So without further ado, we're going to roll right in. This is Gregory Diamos with Landing AI here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Greg, I want to kick things off by talking about this theme of AI chips, kind of a term being thrown around now around you know, software sort of built to purpose for AI. Could you give us a bit of a background on what they are and maybe even where they're starting to move forward today? Sure. So if we look back historically on chips, there's a few trends that are really important. Um, one really powerful trend in, in computing has just been personal computing and especially driven by the C language. So in in the past, actually, um, people are probably aware, uh, everybody these days has personal computers. uh, They interact with computers. They're probably aware that computers have gotten substantially faster since they were introduced. If we look back 50 years, the speed of computers for the types of applications that we know and love that uh, power our personal computers and power the internet have gotten tremendously faster. So uh, we can actually measure this. Um, there's a trend around uh, around 1980 that was driven by uh, just just a group of people who were uh, early founders and, and early uh, manufacturers of computers to try to actually quantify the speed of computers. One of the things that they developed at that time was called the spec benchmark, and this is a way of just determining in a really objective way how fast is your computer. Um, so spec started around uh, 1985, uh, a little bit earlier than that, but really gained steam around 1985. And this was a, a metric that you know anybody who's producing a computer, um, you could run spec on it, and it would uh, give you an idea of how fast it was. Um, so if we look at spec performance going from about 1985 to about 2010, it increased uh, basically exponentially um, over that 30-year run. 
Um, so we saw this enormous um, over a thousand times improvement um, in the speed of those computers from around 1985 to about 2010. So for, for various reasons, actually, uh, after that, it's, it's still been increasing, but it's slowed down a little bit. So we haven't been seeing the same uh, performance increases um, out of our personal computers, out of our phones, out of the computers that are powering our, our data centers um, as we have in the past. Um, so the, the modern view on those, those machines, like the current name that we usually call them in industry is, is called a CPU. Uh, CPU stands, sometimes stands for central processing unit. Really, I think about it as a, as a computer that's designed to run a specific type of application. Like in, in particular, it's designed to run the kinds of applications that we build in, in languages like C or, or Java or you know, run on, on operating systems like Windows or, or uh, Android or iOS. So those computers and those chips are powering you know, quite a lot of the workloads, quite a lot of uh, the applications or the, the computing technologies that you know, have been transformative in, in personal computing, in, in smartphones, and in, in data centers. And they've connected the world through the internet. So AI chips are actually something different. And uh, there, there's actually a convergence of maybe two forces here that are driving this. And, and one is the, the, the force I just mentioned that you know, as we look at the existing CPU designs um, for various reasons, um, sometimes people, one of the reasons people will often refer to is the death of Moore's law. Whether or not it's actually dying is, is actually a highly contentious topic, but the death of Moore's law is actually one force that's slowing down progress in, in CPU uh, speed and efficiency um, and CPU development. Um, there's some other forces too. One force that's it's a little bit technical, it's related to, um, it's usually called Denard scaling. This is just the idea that it's, it's getting harder and harder to make computers um, consume less energy. Some of the technologies that have been driving reductions in energy are kind of running out of steam. So for various reasons, actually, uh, progress in CPUs has been slowing down, not stopping, but, but slowing down since about 2010, actually a little before that, um, as we're really showing up in industry, you know, after about 2010. You know, around that time, a lot of people, including myself, were, were working on this, and it seemed like a really hard problem. You know, how do we actually, you know, continue the, the enormous improvements we've seen in computing, you know, faced with all of these challenges? There's actually a, a number of people in the industry who would call there, there are all of these walls that you'd run into. And, and you know, so there, there was a, a joke in the industry that um, we basically run into a brick wall at this point. Um, there's no way around this wall or, or it's it's really hard for, you, you know, even the leading experts in the world to, to figure out what to do next. You, you, um, by this, you mean like the, and, hitting Moore's law and hitting this Denard's factor here that all of these are just kind of like physical barriers that you couldn't surmount. Is this what you mean? Yes. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say, like actually... Um, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe there will be a breakthrough in the future, but, you know, a lot of people spent, a lot of really smart people spent a lot of time working on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, And we haven't been able to find yep. a way around it yet. Tough stuff. Yeah. So luckily at the same time, we figured out how to get AI to work. And that was so fortunate because the type of AI, uh, so sometimes called machine learning, I'm just going to call it AI here. Uh, the type of AI technology uh, that started to work really well, sometimes people call this deep learning one of the driving technologies is uh, the backpropagation algorithm and, and neural networks. And this technology is wonderful for computers. You know, if, if you want to build a computer like a CPU that's good at running Windows or good at running, you know, the, the Android operating system on your phone, um, it's hard. You know, the CPU is the best way that we know how to do that. But if you want to run something else, so if you want to run an AI algorithm like a neural network, if you want to train it with backpropagation, you can do something different. You can do something completely different. 
And that opens up so many more opportunities to continue to improve performance. Um, and so, you know, since 2010, um, as some companies have started to invest in these technologies, I think actually GPUs, you know, especially GPUs from NVIDIA uh, were an early area of investment. Um, we've seen enormous gains, like we've seen, you know, 10x gains or, or actually in, in terms of real applications, um, not, not all real applications, but many real applications have actually seen 100 times gains in, in performance and efficiency. For, um, for specific, since, specific kinds of tasks, Greg, is this to be understood? It's for AI tasks. Uh, so it's for, especially it's for AI tasks that are built on um, what I'm calling supervised deep learning. Supervised deep learning is really the, the core underlying technology that is enabling a lot of rapid progress in AI. And sometimes people say that, you know, it's actually just one application, you know, supervised deep learning is actually one application, but there are so many applications of, of supervised deep learning today. Actually, um, you know, there's, there's this quote from Michael Jordan, who's a professor at Berkeley, who I really like, who summarizes this as, uh, what we're witnessing is the creation of a new engineering discipline. So actually, you know, the, the view of many experts in the field, and you know, it's my view also that um, this is actually the very early days of AI, um, that even though many of these um, applications or, or tasks are being powered by supervised deep learning, which you might call one task, there's just an enormous number of them. So we spent a lot of time working with um, Andrew Ng, and it, one of the things uh, that Andrew has mentioned multiple times is, is his belief that AI will transform every major industry. We, we've currently seen it be very important and effective in uh, the IT industry, in, in companies that you know, build search recommendation, like logistics. You know, it's been very effective there. Uh, but, but we really think that that's just the beginning. And as we started to look into new industries, like in, in manufacturing, in, in healthcare, um, in agriculture, far beyond that, you know, highly likely is far, far beyond that. Um, we continue to find new opportunities to take advantage of this technology. It's, it's self-evident that we are in a nascent stage, and it's self-evident that the firms that have the preponderance of AI talent are the firms that are farthest along, not because banking and agriculture have no opportunities, but rather because they have less entire buildings full of engineers from the best schools, among other factors. So clearly a lot of transformation ahead. When you think about where AI chips fall into that future, I know you spent a lot of time at NVIDIA, and now you're thinking about how to use that hardware uh, and software in you know, exciting ways. Where do you see the hardware becoming more and more valuable as we start to spread and splinter into these various and new industries? How will AI chips, I guess, kind of play a role in the transformation in the years ahead? Yes, it's an extremely important question. So how will AI chips play a role here? I think as multiple major industries are transformed, it will create uh, an enormous demand for compute. So this is an enormous demand for um, AI chips. And I, I think there's two trends here that are really important um, and they both contribute to this. So one trend is, is just the, the trend of AI transformations that um, as we develop new um, AI applications, these are more users for AI chips. And we, we already see extensive use in, in the IT industry and companies like Google, you know, as, as an example, have invested in building their own AI chips and build massive data centers that, that include, I can't talk about numbers, but yeah. quite a lot of, of AI chips. Yeah, yeah. Enough to significantly move the revenues of major companies like NVIDIA. Yeah. So that, that's one trend. There's just, we're going to see a lot of new uh, consumers or customers of AI chips. The other trend is just that uh, AI is exceptionally computationally demanding. 
AI is expensive. It, we can't get away with a with a small computer or a, a lightweight computer. Actually, when when we look at the speed of computers that we have, even in spite of you know having you know enormous improvements in the speed of of computing over over the last fifty years and, and you know even before that, um, it's just not enough. Computers are not fast enough. They're not even close to being fast enough to run the algorithms that we'd really like to. Um, and those actually hold back the effectiveness of supervised machine learning or, or AI, uh, AI applications. So if we only had faster computers, we'd actually see the quality of a, of a lot of these systems get a lot better. Just to put it in perspective of, of what people use these things for, you know, like when, when you're talking to your personal assistant, I have this experience that, you know, it, it doesn't really understand me all the time, or especially if I, you know, if there's someone with an accent, it doesn't understand them perfectly, or it doesn't understand all possible languages. All those things get better with faster computers. If we look at a lot of the important technologies for search, you know, product search, like when when we're thinking about access to, to products, consumer products, or ability to find them and, and purchase them. Also for internet search, we're trying to access information. Um, all those things get better with faster computers. Um, and, and this is really driving this, you know, both of these trends together, many more consumers, and then larger, you know, basically unsatiable demand for faster computers are both contributing to this strong demand for, for AI chips. And obviously this demand will increase as we find the AI home in these different industries, right? Once drug development is exceedingly driven by, you know, machine learning, once, you know, manufacturing is leveraging its telemetry in some optimal sense that becomes the norm, maybe in the West first and then spreads or what have you, then of course there'll be more and more demand. I've heard it said that this creeping, crawling force of trying to find different sorts of AI chips to get the job done well to save energy and expense potentially, also to um, perform tasks faster. Both of these things are important for businesses that this has been a bit of a tough road and that you know a lot of folks are leaning on NVIDIA, obviously big leader in this space. A lot of folks are leaning on them because we kind of, we know they're there. We know they're not going away. We feel comfortable building on top of them. And when somebody tries to build something really new, really novel, really niche, it's interesting. It might work better for certain tasks, but we're a little bit skeptical to start to lean the business on it. How do you see AI chips sort of spreading forward and diversifying? I think GPUs and kind of the what NVIDIA is best known for, at least from lay, lay persons like myself who don't actually build hardware, how much farther, deeper, more varied than that um, will we get in terms of this, this ecosystem to come? Yeah, so will the, will the ecosystem mostly just be GPUs and or, or will it be more diverse than that? Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be more diverse. I think the right way of thinking about that is it's going to be more diverse. There's a bunch of subtle issues. Let me mention one. So, you know, people, when they think about GPUs, at least historically, they, they go to the G in the name, right? And the, the G in the name is for graphics. Mm -hmm. um, so, so GPUs were computers that were designed for graphics, both for, you know, like rendering for movies, but, but most importantly, powering real-time games. Yep. And it just turns out that we got lucky that the same the same type of computer that's good for graphics is also very good for AI. So that that gave um, producers of GPUs an advantage to start with. They already had a pretty significant investment uh, that they could then leverage to build a great AI chip. You know, since that though, you know, even though the G is still in the name, some GPUs have become more like AI chips than others. I, I do think that NVIDIA was an early investor there, but I, I think actually multiple uh, other vendors in the industry, um, I think actually, uh, like just as an example, it's not the only example, just as an example, 
AMD has a very strong GPU hardware platform. And uh, I actually expect uh, one trend that has already started, um, but I expect this to continue is that companies that already have significant investments in GPU technology will add additional AI capabilities and make their GPUs more like more like AI chips. So I think that's one trend, but I think it actually will be more diverse than that. As we see multiple industries, I, I think that currently, you know, the AI applications that are generating a lot of demand are again in the, in the internet industry, powering backbones of the internet. And that's only one area. So we know what, what makes a good AI chip for that area. But one trend that I expect is that as we see um, AI emerge in new industries, we'll actually see new demands that will lead to a greater diversity of AI chips. That's, um, yeah. Let me see if I'm following, Greg, just for the folks that, that aren't as technical in this space. I think it's a really interesting dynamic. I'll give you an imaginary example. Let's just say we come to find that in manufacturing, for example, or, or in transportation, using telemetry data for predictive maintenance, for example, there, there become real sturdy industry norms about how this is done with sensors, about you know how patterns are developed and how we respond to that. And there's just so, so much sensor data and IoT data that just starts becoming the, the lifeblood of, of this, this industry, that the particular kind of processing done there will be so categorically different than knowing what search result to render or knowing what Facebook posts to render in your in your feed, it will be so categorically different in terms of what it's processing that we'll actually need chips purpose-built for that kind of data intake, data processing, et cetera, and then an ecosystem will have to balloon around that. Is this safe to say? I mean, it, it's to some degree, it feels surprising because it, it all kind of feels like, oh, well, maybe it's all ML, but maybe you could explain the, the difference. Sure. So... I, I think that will happen. The exact details, of course, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, haven't played out yet. One split that we've seen so far uh, that, I, that I will mention, that's a real split that's already happened, is the split between training and inference. These algorithms work by learning. Uh, they learn from a lot of big data. And that learning process, uh, to a large extent, can actually be done offline in a giant computer, like in a, in a data center or a supercomputer. Um, so the type of computer that you build for training um, looks more like a giant supercomputer. It's, you know, you might think about, you know, hundreds or thousands of GPUs tightly linked together. The form factor, cooling, power delivery, communication system for that computer, you know, is is very large scale. And it, it's perfectly fine to just put that in a warehouse somewhere, you know, and power it with a, you know, a giant generator or power plant. And that's very different. That kind of computer is very different than the types of computers that we need to use for inference. So uh, for inference, we actually want to use these algorithms after we've trained them. We want to use them to perform some task. And so the tasks will usually migrate to the edge. One consumer device that probably everybody's familiar with is the face ID on their smartphone. And clearly, you know, the computer that runs that face ID algorithm on your smartphone is not a giant supercomputer that, you know, takes a megawatt of power. That's just a, a very different computer. So we've already seen this split between training systems and inference systems. I, I think we'll see more splits. I, I think uh, one area that we started to see is around uh, industrial computing, high reliability computing that, that need to just operate in very um, challenging circumstances, like in cars, in factories, you know, maybe in very, uh, very power constrained or just harsh environments. So I, I, I think I, that, that shift hasn't actually happened yet, but I, we're starting to see um, you know, a lot of early indicators that, 
you know, those are real requirements we're seeing from, you know, a lot of emerging AI solutions. And, and that could be another split in, you know, how you build a computer, you know, for, for one area would be different than another. Got it. And I'm imagining as kind of a closing note, Greg, I appreciate the detail um, on sort of what you're seeing in the space. Obviously, you're extremely close up to this and have been for years. Closing note for the listeners, if I'm, let's say, a you know head of innovation at a retail bank or you know pharma company or something like that, and I'm, I'm sort of looking out at my own future here in terms of hardware, software, AI use cases, uh, digital transformation writ large, is there anything I should be keeping a pulse on to see how and when hardware is going to affect me, when I might want to think about upgrading things? Or is it more of kind of a nascent phase, and by the time it becomes a big deal, it'll be a splash and I'll know about it? What's your take on that for kind of advice for, for many many of the folks maybe tuned in today? Sure. So I would say Andrew Ng wrote a uh, three-page document that's called the AI Transformation Playbook. If you just Google for the AI Transformation Playbook, you can find that document. This is a simple recipe for how to apply AI and how to think about the implications of AI on your business. I'd recommend reading that. Okay. Hardware is part of the mix, I take it? Yes. Okay. Good, good. Uh, obviously, Andrew, a worthy, worthy source for education and the leader of the firm you now work for. So, uh, Greg, that's all we have for time for this episode. Thank you so much for being able to join us and talk about AI hardware today. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Again, Kasako Research is the sponsor for this episode. You can Google the AI Hardware Summit and you'll find their event rather quickly and you can get a sense of who the speakers are. If you're interested in how the hardware side of AI is evolving and will impact your industry, this is really the industry event. Again, we've worked with Kasako for years and they put on a great show. So go ahead and check out the AI Hardware Summit. If you like what you're hearing here, you enjoy these episodes, be sure to also follow us on social. Pretty easy to find Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research on LinkedIn and on Facebook, or you can just find us at, at Emerge at Twitter and quickly get access to all of our latest podcasts as soon as they come out, both here in the AI and Business Podcast, as well as our other show called the AI and Financial Services Podcast. If you're not already subscribed there, go ahead and check it out. But be sure to follow us on social, not only to get all of the podcasts, but also all of our latest infographics, articles, and reports are posted live as soon as they're published on the site, so you'll never miss a beat in terms of staying ahead of AI trends. That's all for this episode. I look forward to catching you on Thursday here on the AI and Business Podcast. <laughs>